3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to the Bad The Don't Be A Dickhead podcast. I'm John Gilbert. And I'm Ian Thompson. And we are here to help make the world a better place through reduced dickheadery. Dickheadery. So, look, we've made it to episode four. There we are. Yeah, I know, still which is, actu- which is actually five, um, five episodes. Yeah. Because we did an episode zero. Yeah, I mean, so long as we can keep track of that. Then that's fine. I do have a piece of paper with the number of the episode, so I can't go wrong on it. I uh, couldn't possibly make that mistake, which is a bit of a preview for episode five coming up soon. Nice, yeah, nice, yeah. It's, nice. We don't just wing this; we do plan ahead. And episode four is quite an exciting one, and I suppose maybe a bit of an obvious one. And it is the subject of being drunk. Yeah, I think it's always been coming. This one, there's, there's been no way of avoiding it. No, no. So, Ian, what kind of drunk are you? Oh, God. Well, you, we've actually identified, haven't we, in some research, we've identified, like, different types of drunk. Uh, I think we're going to have a look at those in a bit. What kind of drunk am I, though, from a layperson's point of view? Um, I mean, I don't think I'm that bad. I definitely get less clever. I definitely mm-hmm. like to sing a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to sing at, at, at usual times, um, but I don't think I'm particularly annoying or loud. I think sometimes I can be. It, it, it's odd, really. I tend to get, I have a long period of not really changing and just sort of like taking it all in my stride. Then I get really drunk and then I run away and go to bed or to the to the bathroom floor. Oh, you're a hiding drunk. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do get the hiding drunk thing, but it's quite frustrating when you're on a night out. Yeah, yeah. One of my old business partners, not old, one of my former business partners, he was a nightmare for that. He used to always just disappear on the course of a night. So on the one occasion, we were in a bar. I was like, where's he gone? And he's like, oh, they've done his finger game. So therefore, we didn't go looking for him. And it turns out 45 minutes later that he was locked in a toilet. Brilliant. None of us, none of us went to help him because that's, of his previous form. That's the boy who cried locked in a toilet for you, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's just that famous fable. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned there that there are various different pieces of research that have, have been done on this, but I've picked out one that I quite liked. So this was published in Addiction Research and Theory. And researchers had questioned 187 pairs of drinking buddies. Now, this was students, basically, in America. But what they did is they got them to fill in surveys and assess each other on the five personality traits of openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And what they did is they came up with four clusters of drunks. So as you're listening to this, have a think about it. What kind of drunk are you? And do you know anybody in this category? So the first one they call the Hemingway. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently Ernest Hemingway was notorious for being impervious to alcohol, so he could just drink and drink and drink, and it didn't really affect him anyway. So this is like that they, they don't particularly lose any level of intellect or conscientiousness. They just change a little bit. How boring is that? Uh, I mean... No point. No, I mean, for them, I guess it's good to know you can drink and drink without being a dickhead. But for everybody else, that would just put me on guard. That's a bit like... Drinking with somebody when they're not drinking. And it's expensive. Well, well, it is, I suppose, if you don't... You don't have to keep drinking. (laughs) It's not the law. Maybe if he's trying to get drunk, then he'd have just kept on drinking and drinking until he could try and get drunk. 
Yeah, but their intelligence hasn't been inhibited, so they're probably self-aware enough to know that, yes, I don't get drunk. Yeah. I don't get drunk, so what's the point in this? Unless they're like really playing the long game, I'm going to do this for years and years and years, and I'm going to crack it. I just want to go home with a traffic cone on my head. Or <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the goal of a Hemingway. Okay, uh, you, you're guessing that there are like, uh, each of these clusters is named after somebody from popular culture. The second type of drunk that they talk about is Mary Poppins. These are people who are very agreeable when sober and even more agreeable when drunk. Their levels of conscientiousness and intellect also decrease a little. I Poor find Mary the idea Poppins, of that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you were describing yourself as a little Mary Poppins then. A little, a, a little singing Mary a little, Poppins. Singing a little more. Well, it won't be the first time I've been called a little Mary. <laughs> and then um, when things get a bit too much for Mary Poppins, she just pops up a brolly and flies off into the, the distance. Yeah, let's hope no one tries that. Just just like walks out of the third floor of a bar, just pops the, pops the umbrella up a bit and just decides to go. Yeah. The other thing about Mary Poppins, a type of drunk, it surely is these women who like sneak bottles of gin in their bags. Yeah. I mean, Mary Poppins in her infamous bag of... Never-ending bag, yeah. Yeah, yeah never-ending never <laughs> supply of alcohol. Yeah. And the um, people at the bar are going, gosh, they sure are drinking a lot of soda water over at that table. <laughs> they must know what's going on. They must know. Yeah, when you've only spent £1.20 on mixers all night. then. And yet um, you do seem a little more agreeable than usual. Although, actually, by that classification, the Mary Poppins wouldn't necessarily be that obvious that they're drunk. They're just having a good time. I wish I yeah. was a bit more like a Mary Poppins or a Hemingway. I'm pretty sure I'm not. The third <laughs> classification, they're called the Nutty Professor. These people become less conscientious after a few drinks. Most notably, they are introverted when sober, but the life of the party when drunk. I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think that's I, I, good. Yeah. I mean, we all know people like that who when they just come out and say something outrageous or do something outrageous yeah. there's not like too inappropriate but you're just like wow you, you're coming out of your shell I guess is this kind of yeah, phrase yeah. Use. and it's more funny because it's them yeah and that's like the superpower of alcohol because some people do drink because they are introverted and and nervous and particularly if it's like social drinking where you're going into town or to a party or or something like that if you not having the confidence to speak to other people. It's, I guess it's the idea of Dutch courage. Yeah. Can you see any nutty professor in yourself? I don't think I'm particularly introvert normally. No. No, I suppose that's the problem, isn't it? It's like introverts tend not to do podcasts and vodcasts. Yeah, I sometimes like don't like talking to people. That's different though, isn't it? That's just because you don't like people. I don't like being in big groups. Hmm. But sometimes I think that's because like, if we're in a pub and there's not a lot of soft furnishings, then I find it very difficult to hear people when there's a lot of background noise. So when I'm in big groups, I do tend to just sit quietly and just try and listen to a conversation. All oh, right, so that's an auditory issue rather than you're not liking people. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. You're not letting me in today. No, I'm not. Do you know no. what? I'm going to replace myself with a uh, like psychiatrist as your co-host one time. <laughs> She's going to like rip a hole in your mind and expose you for all of your inadequacies. On the, psychi the psychiatrist episode, as a guest, you could have Claire as well. 
I end up just a broken man by the end of it. Claire is my partner for anyone who doesn't know. And if you if you listen to the previous episodes, then you'll know why she she thinks I'm a, a classic dickhead. Well, I'm just hoping she doesn't dump you before we get her on as a guest because it's going to be <laughs> spectacular when we do. So do not go beyond dickheadery while we're in this COVID-19 lockdown. Okay. We're, we're building up to a big show there. Um, and by that same token, I suppose I ought really get my wife on. I'm just a bit frightened. <laughs> She's, I don't know. She tends not to expose my dickheadery. As much, and sometimes I think... I really ought to have been called out on that, but she kind of gives me a bit of slack on it because she knows I'm stressed or something. Give her a microphone. God, give her some alcohol. That's where arguments start. And one of the personality types for drinkers that do that is a Mr. Hyde. So this is the fourth one. So this is named for the, very obvious, but it's the alter ego of Dr. Jackal. Now, these people have reported big decreases in conscientiousness, intellect and agreeableness when they are intoxicated. They reported a tendency of being particularly less responsible, less intellectual and more hostile when under the influence of alcohol than they are when they are sober. So that, that's been a dickhead, isn't it? Yeah, that's everyone who we'll be talking about today, more or less. Okay, so we've spent like 11 minutes. Let's just talk about examples of drunken dickheadery, shall we? That's what they're here for. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, yeah. So like, yeah, examples of dickhead behaviour are examples of us being dickheads whilst drunk. Hmm, yeah. Have you yeah. ever been a dickhead whilst drunk? Uh, uh, almost certainly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was thinking of one example earlier because I was thinking of like losing your inhibitions and things like that and, um, and not stopping to think about what you're doing. My friend had once been into hospital. She had to have a, a small procedure done. It was fine. The procedure went very well and it was all fine. But she'd only been in the previous week and had a small procedure done on her stomach. And obviously they'd had to cut her open to do that. And then we all got drunk at another friend's birthday party. And the next morning we were all like discussing, like remembering back to the point where we were playing um, I've Had the Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. And... About six of us did the lift with her, but like just like literally just grabbing hold of her stitches, we must have been and lifting her up into the air. Has she been uh, drinking? She had been drinking. Yeah, she th- she thought it was a brilliant idea at the time. She thought it was like one of the best ideas we'd ever come up with. So she was quite happy trying that. Obviously, one of us couldn't pick her up because we're not dancers and we'd have just fallen straight backwards. So we were. We were tuned in enough to sort of say, yeah, let's not try it on our own. Let's try this safely. But safely just involved six pairs of hands all just like grabbing and lifting her up. Um, Anyway, she was fine the next day, but she was in quite a lot of pain. But she was fine. But we hadn't we hadn't reversed her operation or anything. (laughs) So this is one of the effects of alcohol for a lot of people, which is just that like, I guess just like recklessness and you just don't have any fear around physical harm. Yeah. Because you see that where people do incredibly dangerous stuff like climb up scaffolding. Yeah, and yeah. I've done that and really? not fallen off. Oh, God, uh-huh. yeah. I, mean, I just remember talking to another one of my former business partners. Um, a different <laughs> this, is what, this, this is what happens to John's former business or John's yeah. business partner. Well, there's only me left now. Yeah, <laughs> They're just like massive drunken risk takers. But I remember him telling me that he remembers that their thing used to be they'd go to Spiders, which is a nightclub in Hull, and then they would go onto the bank side where the abandoned bridges are, one of which has a Banksy on it. 
Um, but they used to climb up to the top of that whilst drunk and then like, just see what's the highest. It's just a disused industrial area and just see what you could climb up. And it was just like, we could have fallen, we could have died. I, rem- I remember we used to discuss doing that. I don't think we ever did it though because we used to walk to and from spiders every week as well. And I remember discussing doing that, but we never actually did it. It is really interesting because you go around all like the gas works and so yeah. anyway, that's a bit bit local. I've got a four inch scar on my back caused by drunken, dangerous, reckless behaviour when I stripped down to my pants and had a go at break dancing and Brilliant. fell into a sharp corner of a table. I remember it. I've never been stabbed, but I imagine it's a well, I was stabbed by a table, well, not by a knife, but it like went inside me and I felt it just felt weird for days, just like really wrong. I don't know what I'd punctured. Um, I didn't go to doctors or anything like that. But yeah, I still got the scar to, bet, to prove from that. The only disappointing bit about that story is that you said you fell against. No, is that you said you fell against a table. It would have only been made better by the fact that if you'd have fallen into a tree or something, proving that while you stripped down to your pants and breakdanced, you were outside. The, sh- the shame is that you were clearly indoors. I, well, I was in my house, but yeah. then afterwards, if it makes you feel any better, I then went outside and did some breakdancing in my pants. Whilst bleeding? Yeah, whilst bleeding. Yeah, I made a right mess. And then the next week, so I lived opposite a park, and which we would share with teenagers the, on an evening. They would go across and then they would tolerate us when we would get drunk and just turn up and like play various fighting games on the top of the monkey bars and stuff like that and I came off a roundabout and really really injured my neck and my brother went down the slide standing up and broke his leg Wow! and his cast uh, came off the week before he was my best man at my wedding so we were not kids um, when this this happened so yeah it's just that know, was an eventful week well we we were we're on the jackass generation yeah we, uh, we would deliberately harm ourselves for fun oh, alcohol was involved in that I've eaten spiders i we used to snort lines of chili powder um which you'd never do sober it's only when you've you've had a drink and it's just something that seems oh let's just do that because yeah. it's funny it's like people who let children cut their hair or get novelty tattoos and things like that and people stripping off have you ever gone through a stripping off stage i don't think i have no yeah i did I, but i mean i would never do that now even while drunk. i don't know what that was all about I've got my arse out and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever stripped off fully. But a lot of people do. I don't know where that yeah. came from. I had, a, I had a short period of stripping. But I did it at like really strange times as well. I did it at a poker night once. Brilliant. Because I just thought it was funny. And it was funny. But it was also incredibly weird and inappropriate. <laughs> and I would never do that sober unless I was suffering from severe mental illness, which I don't think I was. Not severe anyway. I remember once um, our friend Johnny, we were sat in a bar one time and he was quite drunk and we were all pretty drunk, but we weren't as drunk as him. And um, he suggested that he drink the bottle of vinegar that was on the table <laughs> and, um, and sort of laughed about the fact that I'm not going to do that because it'll make me really ill. And then somebody <laughs> shouted out, you know, well, I'll give you a fiver to do it. And then someone else joined in. I'll, I'll chip in a fiver and I'll chip in a tenner and I'll chip in, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden... People walking past were like, what's everyone giving money for? And we were like, oh, he's going to drink a bottle of vinegar. And they're oh, I'll stick in a tenner for that, yeah. And all of a sudden, we had £240 for him to drink this vinegar because just loads of people from the pub who'd overheard what was going on came and put their money in. It was like like children need, but it was more sort of um, (laughs) Johnny in vinegar. And everyone, like, gathered round. Anyway, he didn't do it. 
Oh, what? He, he refused to do it. I think what he was about too. The children in need. I know. I think he was too worried about uh, the fact that so many people wanted to see him do it that there must be some severe consequences for him actually doing it. Oh, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be going. Oh, because I mean, good on him—the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Another time when we went on a football night out and we'd ordered a buffet at a bar, and um, amongst the buffet were all these lovely little um, chocolate brownies. They weren't very big. They were about you know. A um, couple of inches by by sort of an inch or whatever. So they're just little bite-sized things, but they made absolutely loads of them. And they weren't just chocolate brownies; they were chocolate brownies and flapjacks, and you know, j- just quite dry bits of n- nice tasting but very dry little cake things. And um, and one of the lads there, Gary, who was the, the it was the youngest out of all of us in the football team. Is it was, was reasonably recently so. There was like guys, it's a group of friends who play together, so we're between sort of 65 and Gary was the youngest at about 22 at this point. But most of us were 30s, 40s. And he said, and we said to Gary at the end, we said, well, there's only this tray of these sweet baked goods left, Gary. If you eat them all, then we'll, we'll chip in, all chip in 50 quid for you. But you've got to eat them within, I think we gave him like three minutes or something. And there's a wonderful video of Gary trying to eat all these things and he's shoveling them in. And at first it's like, oh, he's going to absolutely kill this. This is brilliant. And he's going through them really, really well. And then his mouth starts drying out and it gets really, really difficult. And there's a wonderful moment because it's just a really, really thin tray that they're on with barely any sides. And we're holding the tray underneath his mouth so he can shovel it in and just in case he's sick or anything. And, um, and so we're all holding it. And there's a great moment on the video when Gary like puts one in. We're like, go on, Gary, go on. You've only got 40 seconds left. And he goes, and he like reaches forward slightly and everyone just shoots back from the table and almost r- runs out of the pub to get away from what's about to happen. Anyway, he didn't manage it. He had two left by the end. So we, oh, gave, we gave him the money anyway. Oh, that's like, nice. It was a valiant effort. He had to eat like 40 or 50 of them or something. They were yeah. only small, but they were dry. I like this. There's some kind of like showing this, like the generation drinking game. Yeah, well, and it's. Do you know what? It's that was kind of a bit of dickheadery because we were forcing to someone to someone to do something that like they might um, <laughs> that, that that they'd probably regret well, well, having thrown him. up. We weren't forcing him, but we were enticing you were him, rewarding with, him. Yeah, incentivizing him to do to do this, and it might have made him a bit sick, and he probably wouldn't have been able to carry on the night after that had he have thrown all mm. that chocolate up over himself. But he didn't, and there was a nice end to it where he still got the money and we all went on to have a good night out. But this is like, I mean, we're a bit of a biased audience here because to me that sounds great, right? That is clearly dickheadery. Yeah. But it seems nice dickheadery. Yeah. And they're just funny stories. Now, so long as nobody got hurt. Within this drunk one as well, I think there's quite a wide range of dickheadery. I think you've got things like that where it's like mates, a bit of bants with each other. No one was really getting harmed particularly in it. Had a nice ending. Right the way up to, like, dickheads who go out looking for a fight, like your Mr. Mm-hmm. Hyde's. I mean, there's a physical reason for that, again, which comes back from alcohol, which is, like, your judgment is just off, right? So anything that you can have a violent reaction to something that wouldn't normally bother you or you misread social cues and you think everybody's giving you a mucky look and, and so on. And they are just dickheads, particularly the ones who drink and know that that's what yeah. they're doing and going out for trouble. So, I mean, when I, I mean, I started going nightclubbing at a fairly young age, so 15, 16, one of my mates, I mean, he was actually quite a nice guy, but he was massive and he was really strong. And um, he just started fights all of the time and it never got out of hand. But I mean, if we were there 16, he was starting fights with like fully grown adults yeah. and he was big and strong, 
but they'd have wiped the floor with us, and that yeah. could have could have got really really nasty. Um, and guys just do that. Do you know it's a, it's a little story? And I was drunk at the time, but I don't think I was a dickhead in this. And I went out with a girl on a first date, and for our first date, we just went round city centre drinking, and we ended up going to a nightclub. And whilst we were dancing on the night on, on the dance floor, this is our first date. Remember, I was seventeen, she was fifteen. And this guy, apparently you could see it from strobe effects coming in closer and closer, so he just come and punched me in the head. And I didn't even realise I'd been punched. Um, but the next thing, the door staff just grabbed us and thrown us out around the back of the nightclub, grabbed me, the girl I was on the date with, a mate of mine who just happened to be in the nightclub and who I'd been speaking to earlier on but wasn't even involved in that, and the lad that had just punched me without provocation, and then just chuck us out the back. And you're just like, hmm, well, this is a bit awkward. What do we do now? And I'm like... I don't know, I'm on a date. And in the end, we just kind of went, well, that was totally unnecessary. I think he even apologised, and, and, and that was the end of it. So then I went back with my date, went back to her parents, explaining why we were back early, um, which was majorly impressive. Um, now, you might know this, Ian, already, but that girl is now my wife. Ta-da. So on, on our first date, we got thrown out of a nightclub for fighting, um, and it bonded us together ever since. That's brilliant. So we got to a bit of a rocky start there. I'm not sure I made the best impression on the in-laws. And uh, we've been together for over 20 years. There we go. So, uh, yeah. so that, yeah, if, you want a, if you want a strong and stable relationship, that's the way to start it, kids. Well, yeah, if you need to uh, understand what can be tolerated. I, mean, I don't actually think it was my fault. Well, it wasn't my fault, but it was alcohol's fault. As you started that story... I was reminded of a first date I once went, and it was a blind date. My friends had set me up. They'd said, oh, we know this girl who would quite like to go on a date with you, and she's really nice. And I was like, oh, right, okay, yeah, great. That sounds exciting. So we decided to... I'd spoke to her on the phone, and we said, um, we'll go on a date. I didn't know her before this. So blind date. And we, yeah, and we arranged to meet in the centre of town and then go around a few pubs and whatnot. I was quite nervous. I'd never been on a, a, a blind date before. So I decided that, you know, to reduce my inhibitions and to bring me out of my shell a bit, I might have a little drink while I got ready for it. But there wasn't really anything in the house to drink apart from ouzo. So I started drinking ouzo. Anyway, to this day, I couldn't tell you who I went on a date with. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. No. And we spent the full night together. And apparently she really enjoyed herself and wanted to go on a second date. I was blind drunk. But it sounds like you weren't a dickhead. Or she was really into dickheads. She was really into Mr Hyde's. I remember I was talking far, what I thought was far too much. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the worst things that I do as a drunken dickhead, and not so much these days, I must admit, but it's just this mistaken belief that I'm invincible. So I've, I remember going on a frozen park lake like trying to stomp through the ice to see if I would fall through it. I didn't. What was I what was I thinking? What was I trying to I remember like we walked past this lake and was got, oh is it frozen? Do you think it'll be strong enough for us to take us? I was just like so I just like did a bomb onto it. It didn't crack. But it could have done I could have died. Yeah. And that's not a funny story. I mean It's one thing eating too many chocolate brownies off a tray, but I mean like sending yourself to like an icy death. That is dickheadery. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because even though we say it's not a funny story and you could have died, and so someone said, well, that's beyond Dick Henry then if someone could have died. But I think 
there's a much higher threshold of beyond dickheadery when it's when you're being a dickhead to yourself. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something we're going to explore in the the next podcast in a little bit, yeah. a little bit more detail. Okay. So normally we end the show by asking each other to share an example of self dickheadery. I feel like I've done several. Yeah, already. I think we've talked about quite a few. We've, we've um, covered it. Yeah. So if ever proof were needed that we're both a pair of dickheads, listen to episode four. So thank you for listening. I've been John Gilbert. I've been Ian Thompson. And remember, don't Don't be a a dickhead. dickhead!